Hello everyone, and welcome to this episode of Project Shadow. My name's Charlie, you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset. And before we get started in things, I, I want to say a special thank you to Artplant over on Twitter, um, at Artplant3. You made my morning this morning, and I, I, I've been trying not to bring it into the show, but... There are a lot of really heavy things happening in my life right now, and, you know, I love doing this show, and I try to bring all my positivity and energy into it, and it's really hard sometimes to keep going and do this, and to see you, you know, say, you, you recommended my podcast to somebody who was asking for stuff to listen to and you said some really nice things about me and it it made my morning like you don't this is what I talk about sometimes when I talk about just how random acts can really impact and affect people in ways that you don't understand I was having a really bad day and then I saw that and it made me smile and I needed a smile so bad so thank you. I just wanted to say thank you on the show. And yeah, thanks. All right. So today we are continuing our discussion of the Clone Wars. Because I don't see enough people talking about it. Though, you know, some other channels have started doing it too. So that's cool. Um... I wanted to talk today about how the introduction of Ahsoka, Rhoda, and Zero changed Star Wars forever. And that sounds like a really high bar to, you know, establish. Like, it's really a crazy high bar, but it's not. If you are not familiar with the characters that I'm talking about, there will be some minor spoilers for the Clone Wars movie and television series in my discussions today, though I'm not going to be very plot-heavy in a lot of my talk. I will with Rhoda, because Rhoda only appears in the movie. I, well, I think there's a couple other like cameos, but as far as the character goes, is only in the movie. So, you know, if you are truly hyper-spoiler-averse to a show that's been out for quite some time, you might want to go check it out and then jump back in when you're ready. So, what am I talking about here? Star Wars, growing up, and I'm one of those kids who grew up with Star Wars. I don't remember a point where Star Wars wasn't in my life. I was born in 1976, you know, in November, so months after... A New Hope came out. And I cannot remember the first time I saw any of the Star Wars movies. But I also don't remember a time when I wasn't a Star Wars fan. I have some of my most vivid early memories are playing with 
the old Kenner action figures, which some friends of mine had, and the Millennium Falcon playset, and really, you know, enjoying it. I remember the Ewoks animated show and the droids animated show and the Ewok movies. So those were important parts of my childhood growing up. And I, I can't remember not having Star Wars. So I think it's important to start with that. You know, I read the books. I remember being the only person waiting at Walden Books at the Frederick Town Mall in Frederick, Maryland, the day that the first book in the Thrawn trilogy came out, Heir to the Empire, because I had heard that it was coming out and I really wanted to read it. And I literally stood there until they opened the box and grabbed a copy and bought it and read it and fell in love with Star Wars all over again. But that's the thing. With the, with the exception of the books, which I never considered canon, just because I, I'm a Star Trek fan, and forever in Star Trek we've talked about, you know, Star Trek Alpha and Star Trek Beta, where you have, you know, what happens in the movies and the TV show, and what happens in the books, the comics, and, you know, related media. And, you know, the books were never canon, and I didn't expect the Star Wars books to be either. There's something very different that happened with the Clone Wars movie. George Lucas made it. And that's really important because, one, for a lot of Star Wars fans, they don't understand that the Clone Wars movie and animated series are canon. They think it's just the movies and everything else got thrown out up until the new material that Disney's been making. But they canonized everything from the Clone Wars, including the movie and the TV series. So, and for me, they were canon from the beginning. And I think it would have been tragic if they had tried to throw it out. Because one of the things that makes canon material when you're talking about a fandom like Star Wars or Star Trek or any of those media, mediums, franchises, whatever you want to call them, is... You know, if the creator does it, it's probably true. You know, it's one of those things that when I was a kid and you'd find an interview with uh, Gene Roddenberry and they would ask him some esoteric thing about Star Trek and he would give an answer because Gene said it, you just assumed it was true because Gene said it, Gene makes the movies, Gene makes the show, it's got to be true. This is an important way of distinguishing things, because up until this point, Star Wars, like real Star, Star Wars, was only the movies. Yeah, that's why I mentioned the Ewok Adventures and the droids and Ewoks animated series. Those weren't made by George Lucas, and I knew that. And so they were peripheral entertainment that I knew had nothing to do with the main story. So here comes George Lucas and Dave Filoni with the Clone Wars movie, which is debuting as a part of the launch for the new TV series. And in here, we have 
the first expansion of Star Wars in canon outside of just the events of the Skywalker saga. We meet Ahsoka Tano. Ahsoka is such a pivotal character for everything that happens in Star Wars that you can almost pin you know, what has been released so far as before and after Ahsoka. With her introduction, we, for the first time, really get to see why Anakin fell. We get to see Anakin as a person with his personality in full bloom. We get to see his compassion. We get to see his concern. We get to see his anger, his rage, and his fear of loss. The latter of which being why he will eventually fall to the dark side. It is the relationship between Ahsoka and Anakin that makes, for me, the heart of the Skywalker saga. Because his reaction to his dream that Padme is going to die in childbirth comes after he had just lost Ahsoka. His faith in the Jedi had been shaken because of the events around Ahsoka and everything was empty for him. He didn't know who to trust. He didn't know who to rely on. And the events of the Clone Wars animated series for me changes forever how I will see Revenge of the Sith and puts it in a completely different context. But beyond that, Ahsoka is a character with her own interests, her own desires, her own ambitions, who exists outside the Skywalker saga. And that's important. She's not one of the core characters that we knew before. So, unlike Obi-Wan and getting to know more of his backstory with Duchess Satine and everything, that's great, that's wonderful, that expands the universe. But the character of Ahsoka opens Star Wars up to a much broader world than it had originally allowed itself to be. The same thing is true with Rhoda. And I'm assuming that's how Rhoda's name is pronounced. Jabba is the only person to use his name in the entire series. <laughs> so the actor portraying Jabba says Rhoda. So I'm saying Rhoda. It's R-O-T-T-A. Rhoda is Jabba's son. Zero is Jabba's uncle. These two characters in the plot of the initial movie for the Clone Wars, which is surprisingly called the Clone Wars, opens in canon the Star Wars universe in a way that it had never been done before. Yeah, we knew that Han had a backstory and had a life outside of Star Wars. But it, with the exception of Boba Fett, didn't intervene. Right? So this is one of the reasons why the stakes, if you will, in the Han Solo movie weren't that high. Because 
we knew that this wasn't the story of why Jabba was after him. It made a very different choice. And I think a, I think a good one. I, I like the Solo movie. And if you haven't seen it, you should see it. But by opening up Jabba's family, and for the first time showing us politics that are outside the realm of the Republic, the New Republic, the Old Republic, the Empire, or the Alliance, you have the first breath of life breathed into Star Wars so that it could be something other than just the story in the movies. Jabba has a family. That's huge. It's hard to overstate how important that is. Yes, we see Jabba in the prequels. We see Jabba in the movies. Jabba is a hut. But he's always shown as a completely othered individual. You, you don't really get into the mind of Jabba or get to know him or what his motives are or why he's doing the things that he's doing. And by the way, I do feel really awkward using the word he for Jabba or for any of the huts because while many of the huts are referred to as he and Jabba's child is referred to as his son in the story, canonically huts are asexual beings and technically should be they. Just saying, but I'm not going to hold them to that. They made other decisions. I'm going to stick with the decisions that they made. But yes, technically, the huts should be referred to as they. But I, I digress. Seeing Jabba have concern for his family. Seeing Jabba's relationship with his family, his love, his clear love for his own son and his suspicion over his uncle opens the character up to a different kind of politics, opens the entire setting up to a different kind of politics that was not available to us just through the movies. The movies are very simple in that they deal with the fight between either the Separatist Alliance and the Old Republic and the Republic, or the Empire versus the Alliance, we don't really get a sense of the politics outside of that. And that's important. Jabba is after Han Solo because Han Solo failed in a smuggling run. That's not a story. Do you understand what I'm trying to say there? And if you don't, I'll give you a minute. It's time for our commercial break. We'll be back right after this word from our sponsor. And we're back. Okay, when I say that Han Solo not being able to fulfill a smuggling run is not a story, we don't know what he was carrying. We don't know who it was from or who it was for or anything about its significance other than Jabba is mad at him because of what happened. That's it. There are no other motives here. This is very different to the experience that we have in the Clone Wars movie, where Jabba and his 
Jabba's son is kidnapped. And, spoiler alert, he was kidnapped by Jabba's uncle Zero on behalf of the Separatists for a twofold operation. Jabba would eventually be taken out by the Separatists, and Zero would take over the Hut clans and be able to exert his own control over the cartel. His motive is understandable and separate from the Galactic Civil War. There are politics amongst the Huts. This is very important for Star Wars. Remember, up until this point, everything in Star Wars is collective. What is there about Alderaan? Princess Leia is from Alderaan. What do we know about Corellia? Han Solo is from Corellia. While we have three movies that take place on Tatooine, we know nothing about the politics or the life of the people on Tatooine. Not from the movies and not from canon up until that point. We know nothing. Who rules? Who rules? We get the sense that it's Jabba from the movie because he and Gardula have their little moment at the pod race but they could just be sponsoring the pod race. That doesn't tell us necessarily that they're the people that are actually in charge of Tatooine. What about the Tuscans? What are they like? What is their history? What's their backstory? What do they want? Why do they kidnap Shmi Skywalker? We don't know. We're never told it's not important. The only thing important is Shmi's relationship with Anakin and how that affects his story. Same thing in A New Hope. Why are the Tuscans doing what they're doing? Why are they there? Who are the Jawas? Why are they there? Who is in charge? We don't know. We're not told. It's not germane to the story. We just move on. This When we return in Return of the Jedi. So, I'm sorry, six movies. No, four of the, four of the six movies in the original and prequel trilogy have time spend time on Tatooine, and yet we know nothing about that planet. The amount of world building done there is zero. It's a desert planet, it has Tusken Raiders on it, it has Jawas, it has cantinas where the worst scum of villainy hang out, and Jabba's there. This is all that we know. Now, the information that we get in the Clone Wars movie, does not tell us if he is in fact in charge of Tatooine, but it does tell us something very important. The Huts controlled the hyperspace lanes in that section of the galaxy. Thus, both the Separatists and the Republic want access for their fleets and not their enemies. That is the first world building we ever get out of Tatooine that affects the broader galaxy and everything that follows. What is the influence of the Huts? Well, Jabba's on Tatooine. Zero is on Coruscant. So the extent of the Huts' power goes all the way from Coruscant in the core worlds out to, as Luke described it, 
if there is a shining center of the galaxy, you're on the planet it's for, that's furthest from it. That's a huge area for the huts to have at least some sense of control. And to be able to control the space lanes as well as they do, that the Republic Army needs their permission to travel through it. And same with the Separatist Army. That shows you how well they have locked down their corner of the galaxy. This is world building. This is very important world building. It's as important as seeing Ahsoka needing to learn how to be a Jedi. And getting a sense of what she had learned up to the point of becoming a Padawan. See, if it wasn't for the story of Rhoda and Zero and their relationship to Jabba, the Empire wouldn't start wouldn't have started opening up. And this is a trend that's going to continue throughout the Clone Wars, and I'm not going to be talking about it in the same way that I am now. It's why I wanted to draw attention to it in this episode. From the very first movie, the very beginning of the Clone Wars, Star Wars is changed forever. The story that we had always known, that we had always grown up with, related around either the Force, think about it, even the Ewok series, right? It was all about the Sunstone and the Moonstone and all of that, and kind of the Ewok's understanding of the Force, right? And the Droid series was basically, well, here's them running around with not Han Solo doing things, madcap adventures. None of which really gave us any details about the world. None of which made Star Wars come to life. It may not seem like much, but once you realize that this is the purpose and function of the Clone Wars animated series, it changes everything. How can they be talking about doing a series of movies outside of the Skywalker trilogy? And they're actually talking about doing two different ones. Because you have the Benioff and Weiss trilogy, and you have the Ryan Johnson trilogy, that are both, as far as we know, still in production. That couldn't happen without everything that happens within the Clone Wars canonically opening up the world. And as we progress, we get to understand Coruscant politics more. We get to understand everything. We get deeper dives into the Tegruda. We get deep dives into many species and worlds and various elements of the underground. We get to see things like the Zillow Beast and get a completely different kind of Star Wars story where we're looking at Star Wars Kaiju edition. The number of stories and the types of stories that are told through the Clone Wars open the world up, open the universe up to being able to place any story in there that you wanted to. In fact, I don't think you could really have Star Wars Resistance without the Clone Wars. Yeah, it's kind of tied in, and it's in the lead-up to The Force Awakens, and yeah, we're still dealing with the First Order and all of that, but the richness that that 
series is pulling on is our understanding of the Rodians that come to us primarily through the Clone Wars and everything that happened there. The idea that there is politics outside of just the central conflict was introduced into the galaxy through the Clone Wars, through a, f a fight that we were already aware of, and we got to see its impacts and how it radiated out. So once you get to something like Star Wars Resistance, you're already prepared for the kinds of stories that'll be there. And I'm not saying that you have to have watched everything up until that point, but the world itself had opened up so that it doesn't feel like it's trying to invent new things. This is how you could create something like Rogue One and have it work. Rogue One is a story that fits very comfortably into the setting that had already been established by the Clone Wars and continued by Star, Star Wars Rebels. And also continuously brings up people that need to do their homework. And you can always tell when a journalist hasn't done their homework because you get posts like I saw so many videos and articles written theorizing how Darth Maul was alive in Solo. Uh... That's covered in the Clone Wars. That's actually a big part of the Clone Wars. So, yeah, we, we know that. And like I've said a thousand times, while I don't expect everyone to have seen every episode of the Clone Wars, you can go to Wikipedia or Wikipedia and somebody has already typed that information in there for you. You, you could have done your homework. But this is what brought Star Wars to life. And I don't think it would exist in the way that it does now if it hadn't been for the Clone Wars. I really don't. And I'm not sure that Disney would have bought it if it wasn't for the Clone Wars. Because that was their first taste of the pie. If I remember correctly, the Clone Wars was originally a Disney Channel show before it moved to Netflix when Disney wasn't sure about it anymore. And that established the relationship that eventually brought it over. But it also established the universe. It established the world in such a real way. And I mean that. If you haven't seen the Clone Wars movie, while it's got its silly moments, and I'm not going to say it's not because it is a children's movie. It's a, it's a family movie. It's made for all ages. It is not simple when it comes to war. You see clones dying it's dirty. It's, it's not glamorizing the war aspects of the Clone Wars at all. And the show doesn't either. And that realism that finds its way in affects everything that follows. And so I don't know what the galaxy would look like if the Clone Wars hadn't happened. But it would be very different. It would not be the galaxy that we all know and love today. So, no matter what you think about them, you should say a little thank you to the characters that pioneered this expansion. To Ahsoka Tano, to Zero, and Little Rhoda. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I was kind of hoping I would have time to get into a big thing about world building, but 
think I did enough. If you want to hear more about world building, let me know. I would love to do more episodes specifically on that point. I have some ideas for our next Clone Wars episode. If you have any, do let me know. If you did enjoy this episode and the app that you're listening to me on allows you to rate either this podcast or this episode, please do so. That helps out a lot. That tells the algorithm to share the podcast with more people. If you got a dollar you can throw my way, you can head over to Project Show. <laughs> you can look down in the show notes. Oh, okay. If you got a dollar you can pass my way. You can look down in the show notes, click the Anchor Community Support link. You can give at the $1, $5, or $10 a month level. That money helps me out a lot, especially right now. Money is tighter than it's, it's tighter than it's possible for me to even say right now. Um, if you can't give a dollar or you don't have it, trust me, trust me, I understand money being tight. I really, really do. Just share the podcast. That helps out a lot. It really does. Because... You know, the way everything works. If you want to contact me, I'm C. Dorset on Twitter. Um, you can find links to all of my social media accounts over at projectshadow.com. I am still working on the book. I promise I will finish the edits of Crucify one of these days, and the book will be out. Of course, as soon as the edits are done, I get to start working on the audiobook of it. So, yay! This is the project that never ends. Um, it's a good thing that I really love this book. But I'll keep you up to date on that. We'll, we'll see what happens. Until next time, thank you so much for everything that you all do for me. It means the world to me. And don't forget, have the fun. Bye.